Hey everybody, it is Chris Plant, and I am here uh, a little bit early, almost an entire week early. Rather than wait to share this week's episode with you, we decided to do it uh, ASAP. This week's episode is about encryption, uh, which ties to one of the biggest stories happening in the news right now. The FBI has requested, via a federal judge, that Apple assist it in breaking into an iPhone owned by one of the San Bernardino shooters. Uh, And Apple has strongly opposed that request. It ties into this larger ongoing encryption debate. Uh, We recorded this before all all of this news broke, uh, but I wanted to get it to you ASAP anyway. I think it will really help you understand uh, encryption and be able to talk about it uh, confidently with your friends and family and peers. So I'll get out of the way. Here's the episode right now. You know what I was thinking to myself the other day? When did shaving get so incredibly expensive? I was paying a fortune for store-bought razors until our friends at Harry's sent me some of their blades. Here's where Harry's comes in. Harry's makes their own high-quality German-engineered blades for a close, comfortable shave, no cuts, or burns. And they sell these blades at factory direct prices, shipping directly to your door at half the price of leading brands. What could you do with the rest of that money? I don't know. Probably go get breakfast tacos, which is exactly what I'm planning to do the moment I am done with this podcast. Over one million guys have already made the switch, and thousands more switch every day. The Harry Starter Set is an amazing deal for just $15. You get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Harry's doesn't like to discount because their prices are already really low. But we've worked out a special offer for you guys. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code WT. Stop overpaying for a great shave. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter code WT at checkout. This is like very anachronistic, but... You remember, like, okay, bookstores. Bookstores were a thing. Um, And, like, there would be the math section or, like, the math and puzzle section. And I always, like, was really into that as a kid. Uh, And one of the big things that you would get is these sort of code book type things where they were, like, send secret messages to your brother, I guess, that your parents can't read by, like, working out that this letter is this other letter. So you would, you know replace all the e's with f's or something and then yeah I and, and then you have it, because the parents wouldn't read it not because they were dumb but because they wouldn't take the time to try to figure it out yeah exactly well and then the next step was they're like okay here's this other message that you don't have the code for and like try to decipher it and you would sort of fill out and the trick was always you would look for like the two-letter word and you're like that's probably is right or of or something and then you know the like t-h-e and so if you could get the s or the e then you were like basically set and it's kind of like a crossword basically but like you you felt like you were deciphering something cool and what they didn't tell you is like i mean at the time it was like a silly puzzle but it's like oh no actually this is basically going to be this incredibly contentious and powerful thing in like the way that the world (laughs) functions now like like i suppose this was Really, I mean, the internet existed, but it was, like, early, mid-90s when, like, it was still kind of like, okay, this matters, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
you know, let's not like send credit cards, credit card information over it just yet. Like let's let's kind of keep it a little bit to ourselves. And like it turned out, no, no, like if you could really do that, if you could, you know, send your credit card in a scrambled way, then it became this incredibly important thing. And now it's absolutely everywhere. EDZine, everything you do on the internet, and the minute there's a problem with any aspect of it, it's a huge catastrophic issue for, like, all of these companies. And, you know, the, the sirens go off, and, you know, I suddenly have to start calling people on the phone to figure out what's going on. Russell, I like having you on the podcast because I immediately feel like a dullard. But also, <laughs> I, I now at least know why. Because I was the kid who, like, I just lived in the section where it was like, learn how to draw Sonic the Hedgehog in five <laughs> steps. And then I, I never made it past step four. And meanwhile, you were, like, probably, like, you know, ten feet away from me, you know, like, solving the world's problems. Well, I mean, I also read a lot of the, you know, Red Wall where, like, the mice would fight the rats. I like those, too. That turned out to be less applicable to, like, the global economy. So far. <laughs> Hello and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I am your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant. Today, I'm joined by my friend and my colleague, Russell Brandom, reporter at TheVerge.com. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. We are talking about encryption, a thing that... (laughs) I don't want to brag, but I've watched CBS Sunday morning, and I've heard them use that word. (laughs) So I was keen enough to listen to you, and you said, hey, maybe we should explain that word to people. So I'm giving you that opportunity. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah, encryption. What is encryption specifically? We'll work our way from there. Yeah, so basically it's to go back to the little code book where I was sending messages to my brother. It's basically you've got this message. And you want to scramble it so that you send it through. And if someone finds the message, they can't get in and, like, see what you wrote to your brother. But then when your brother gets it, he can unscramble it and see what it is. So this is the same thing, like, with Amazon. They needed some way for me to scramble my credit card number so that I could send it to them. And they would have it so they could charge me money. But, like, you know, the guy working at the ISP or, like, anyone at sort of in between me and Amazon and any of that infrastructure couldn't just like start stealing credit card numbers, right? And so if you can make that work, it enables this huge, powerful, like online, this whole world, right? Like I can send emails and only the person I send the email to will be able to read the email. Um, And, you know, any message like that, like encryption is how that's happening. So should I believe that everything that I send over the internet is encrypted like this? Not absolutely everything, although increasingly, yes. Like, basically, almost everything. So, so for instance, if you go to TheVerge.com, someone could see that we're sending you a website, right? Someone, like, if the guy at your ISP wanted to, like, see, like, oh, what, what are they sending to Chris? Yeah, we have no, no need to hide well, yeah, but, that we're sending But also, one of the, the other functions account. is it verifies that it's actually coming from me. So, so like, if you reverse it, it works as a signature where I can be like, this is really, for me, no one else could have sent this message because I sort of signed it. And so you know that the email, not just no one read it in between, but it, like, really, really came from Russell. And so that can be important if, like, someone wanted to 
interceptthevirge.com and put some weird other article on it that we didn't write, the, you know, encryption would be a way of stopping it. And, and, and also if they wanted to, like, put a virus on your computer that seemed like it was coming from theverge.com. And so that's increasingly a problem. And people want to make more and more web traffic encrypted to block that. And so that that's kind of ticking up. And actually, a lot of people complain uh, at, like, our product people that, like, why isn't The Verge encrypted? Uh, and so, I mean, I'm, it's, it's on their list. They're, like, trying to do it. So, so, like, increasingly, absolutely everything you do on the Internet will be encrypted just because we kind of know how to do it and it helps against for these various reasons. And so kind of why not? I, but does does encryption break down? Like you 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 gave that example of uh, I sent my credit card number to Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. And li- like in my head, it's it's my number with like a million other numbers, but my number is scattered through it at at random points. This is not actually. I'm sure they're in encryption <laughs> process. Yeah, I'm no, sure it is it, but yeah. far superior. <laughs> but like, let's say there's a a, a young brilliant you. Uh, who has learned so much from these, uh, you know... I uh, spent too much time with the code books, and now I've... Code books, yeah. yeah. What, what, could somebody break the encryption? So this is what's interesting. So, okay. I, <laughs> okay, now I'm deeply unsettled. <laughs> how deep into the math do we want to go? So, so the math behind these things is pretty cool. It's like big prime numbers and, like, modulus functions and stuff. It, it's like, you can get into it, and it's very cool. But basically, there are these one-way functions that, like, you can go through and you can't easily come back from unless you have the special key, right? And the math behind it is generally pretty solid. It's rare that someone actually finds a thing that they they just can't figure out. One of the things people talk about, like, at a certain point, computers get fast enough that things that were not practical, like, we're just going to try a huge amount of numbers on this— and just throw a bunch of computing power at it and, like, attacks that weren't plausible in, like, 1995 in, like, 1998 are suddenly a lot more plausible because that's just how fast these things move. Um, But generally what you find is kind of someone screwed up in the programming and they were like, the key wasn't supposed to be visible at this point, but if you, like, do this crazy thing, the key's actually visible just because, like, computers are complicated and it it never occurred to anyone that anyone would try this. So, like, you get vulnerabilities all the time. Like, the question of can you break encryption, like, the answer is yes. Like, it's it's a really contentious thing, but, like, this is why there's this whole... Like, I'm on the security beat at TheVerge.com because things are constantly happening and they're constantly finding ways to break these things, generally, like, pretty minor ways, but it's basically, like, every month... Like Android phones, for instance, like every month there are sort of eight new bugs that they send out and they say, OK, we, we added this fix to, to, you know, fix these bugs so that you can't do that attack anymore once you install this patch. And like, I mean, it, it's true for everything, right? This is the they deploy patches which fix the, the sort of ways in which it broke. Um, but it tends to like weirdly be more of a programming thing than like the math of the encryption itself. It's just like we built this program to do this special function and like the function's fine. But like if you're just attacking the program, there are like all these different ways in which it could break and we're constantly finding them and fixing them. This is probably not a fair comparison. I had not <laughs> considered the idea that uh, computational power has increased so much that uh, – 
what was available in 1999 to encrypt could be broken by, uh, you know, computational power today. It reminds me of, uh, and really, tell me if I'm wrong here, but video game emulation, uh, where, like, if I wanted to emulate a PlayStation 4 today, it would be not impossible. Even though the technology exists to power a PlayStation 4, and it's actually less powerful than a computer, the actual power of, like, deciphering it and all the kind yeah. of programs within it uh, would weigh down the computer so much that it won't be possible for years. I mean, right now, people are just barely able to get a PlayStation 3 running uh, as an emulator But, like, on a PC. years, that's not, like, actually that long. Yeah, so, but for, like, encryption, to be able to kind of, it's not, I, I, to some degree, it's brute force, but it does sound like that is kind of thing, right? Like, something that could be created today on today's computers and today's understanding of encryption is, I would imagine, breakable decades from now. Yeah, I mean, so this is one of the things, like, the the, the weird thing is, people talk about, okay, you, you sort of captured this message and you don't have the power to decipher it, but then you also don't want people sort of 10 years from now to be able to decipher it. And so there's a question of like how much, because I was talking about these one-way functions, right? And it's basically that it's, so So one example of this that, that is sort of important at various stages of this is like, uh, they talk about prime factoring. So you have these two prime numbers and they're both like really big, like, you know, think of like a 50-digit prime number, right? And you sort of multiply them together. And if you have one of them, you can find the other one because you just do this huge number divided by this other huge number. But if you don't have either of them and you're just like, okay, what are the two prime numbers that were like multiplied together to make this other big number? And like, I mean, I'm like getting flashbacks to algebra class a little bit, but it's really hard. Like, it's just very, very difficult to do. Um, But computers are kind of good at that and so like it's difficult and it's like a lot more difficult than it is if you have the key but it's not so difficult that if you're like you know what i'm gonna you know pay a hundred dollars in server time or maybe a thousand dollars in server time in like some crazy you know amazon web services cluster and i'm just gonna find the number and then the question okay how big does the number have to be for it not to be breakable in that way and then when you ask that question it's sort of a question of time right because it's like well we know how fast the servers are now and we know okay this would be you get into this very weird logic so like one of the things people say is like if for a while android phones that there was this brief concern that like if the the uh you know, like if a hard drive, like you throw it away, but it's not formatted, you're like, well, I erased it, but the data is still kind of on the hard drive. And this is a concern if you like had sensitive information on it. Um, and so people were worried about this with Android phones because they're not fully disk encrypted. Um, but they decided that it wasn't a real problem because it would have cost $4 per phone. And like in the fraud economy, like y- you would not be, it wouldn't, you would never make money by spending $4 per phone to like find someone's, to like recover someone's email inbox because it just wouldn't, it, w- it would be worth only like 50 cents per phone. But then like, okay, so then, you know, five years from now, we get better at making servers and they're all running more efficiently and like Moore's Law and everything. 
and suddenly it only costs 25 cents a phone and you have all these phones and like there's like a, a weird sort of arms race quality to the whole thing. I just love that there's also supply and demand where oh, yeah. my personal information is so valueless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not terrifying at all. Yeah, no, it's bad. Well, I mean, that's not just criminals either. It's like Axiom and all these data brokers. It's like, yeah, it's all out there. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've heard CBS Sunday morning. Yeah. They're like U.S. officials calling for a backdoor into encryption uh, for things like email social networks <laughs> yeah after just this this conversation that immediately sounds dumb um yeah yeah but explain what a backdoor is and how it could be a flawed idea okay so so the reason that they want this is basically that you know you're using encryption to protect your conversation so that people can't read your conversation but you know maybe the FBI finds these people that are engaged in something suspicious and they say, OK, well, actually, we have a warrant. We have probable cause. The courts say that we should have access to this. If it were like a file in someone's house, we could get a warrant and say, we're coming in. We want to see this file. And then they go and they look in the file. But because it's encrypted, there's kind of nothing they can do. They just sort of don't have it's, it's just this scrambled thing. And if they don't have the key, they can't unscramble it. And so it's kind of just like tough luck, guys, which is just like a thing that we have the programming ability to do. Right. And because all of these protocols are open source, it's not that hard to make some form of encryption software. Right. Like this isn't something that you need like a Google sized company to do. There are a lot of just like five guys in a basement like made an encryption app. Now, if they get really interested in like ways that they can break that encryption app, then maybe those guys can't find all the things that the FBI can find and like you get into another arms race. But in a very basic sense, like it's going to be hard to stop people from doing this. So this is why they kind of want backdoors. They, they want to say, OK, if you're running a business and doing this and we give you a warrant and it comes back all scrambled and you can't unscramble it for us, then, you know, you're going to be in trouble. And one way to do this is building a physical sort of, well, it's not none of it's physical, I guess, but building sort of a special skeleton key thing into the math itself, which is something that the NSA did in like the 90s. And a lot of security companies have gotten in a lot of trouble as it sort of came out that they used this, you know, NSA approved form of encryption that had this skeleton key that they could sort of use to attack it in a more efficient way. But anytime you mention this to someone in the industry, they're just like, this is the worst possible idea. So, OK, walk me through this. Yeah. But we, we, we talked about, you know, like spending money to uh, eventually break down a code. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. If I knew there was one code to rule them all. Yeah. When it, that just seems like the optimal target. Like it, it, it's still an entry point and you know what it feels like the beginning of like a terminator pre-roll where they're like <laughs> or like or like Mission Impossible where they're like he's got the number. We've got to like yeah. like chase that guy <laughs> on a motorcycle cuz he's got like he he wrote the number down and has it in his pocket so like go get him. <laughs> if he gets away that's it. <laughs> it's on the thumb drive. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. No, I mean it literally is that thing. That this is this is the big problem. So people compare it one metaphor that people use is like a sort of key under the doormat 
where it's like you could say if if suddenly police couldn't get through doors anymore and it was like if you don't unlock the front door for them they can't get into your house um they might get really mad about that and be like oh no no we need a key under the doormat but then everyone's going to look for the key under the doormat and like suddenly doors don't really work for anyone um is this is this sound like a plausible thing or am I describing like a fantasy door world? <laughs> I, I'm I'm cool with maybe like the FBI coming into my house, but like maybe I don't want the police coming. I, and I have a right to refuse. It, it it gets like that's what's scary to me is like who gets this key? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I mean the reason that we know that the NSA did this, like like put this sort of skeleton key into um, dual ECDRBG. If anyone wants to Google it at home. Uh, is that there were these researchers. So, I mean, there there's a thriving, like, security research community, and people are always looking at these things because they want to know if there are any weaknesses in, in the systems that they're using. And so people said, like, they didn't know what the number was, but they were like, it really looks like there is this number where if you had the number, you would be able to use it to, like, basically unlock everything much more easily. And... We can sort of tell you some facts about the number. And so that's like kind of nervous making, right? That they, they And they just saw this by looking at the code and like they and by being extremely smart. But like you kind of worry. And also if, if you didn't think of absolutely everything and, and, you know, the next guy at the next conference is like, well, like I found the number, guys. <laughs> like here it is. Look, it just works. And then suddenly like, you know, the the. Chinese Secret Service is like pulling him off stage with a bag on his head or something. And they're like, hey, we have the number now. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it just becomes extremely dangerous to have that number at all. And I mean, the other thing. So this is why when they debate about encryption, I'm kind of like what you're talking about is not really encryption at all. Because so so an example of a system that does work like this is Gmail, where like I was talking about how. Uh, you know, if I send you an email, like only you can read it. Well, that's not really true. Like most modern emails, I'm sent. So in the case of Gmail, I'm sending it to Google servers and they sort of decrypt it there and look at it and they say, you know, okay, you're, you're Googling for, you know, jazz guitars a lot. We're going to serve you ads about jazz guitars. And then they re-encrypt it and send it to you. So really like, they see everything, right? And this is like people know this about Gmail, that, that Google can see everything, and this is sort of how it all gets paid for. But it also means that, you know, if I if I Google you about, like, trying to, I don't know, assassinate Kanye or something, and they're like, oh, shit, there's an assassination plot against Kanye, you know, we, we have probable cause to believe that this person poses a threat to Kanye's health, and we're going to nip that in the bud. They can just show the warrant to, to Google, and Google says, okay, you know, you, you have a warrant. Like, this is court-mandated. Here's this guy's email, like, inbox. Here's all the information we have, um, which is basically what the FBI wants, but it kind of has the same key-under-the-doormat problem. So, for instance, one of the things we found out with Snowden is they the NSA had sort of broken into the internal network that Google has and, and basically just had everything. Now, we know the NSA did it. Probably other people tried to do it, too. And, like, having that internal network where if you can get there, you can see everything that's on Gmail kind of is a security problem because you've got the, the – it's really the crown jewels. And so I think people in the security world say, well, if you're really serious about security, 
you want to not have that stuff accessible at all. Here, here's where I get confused in all of this. Last year, I feel like we saw uh, news that President Obama decided not to push for backdoor legislation. Yeah, he said, yeah. for all the reasons uh, you've already enumerated and more, uh, why then is it a hot topic today? I mean, is, is this just the election where people it's a thing for people to jump on? So this is now like you get into these political questions of like why it, it and it gets kind of weird and like paranoid, right? Because okay, so the people that really want this are basically the FBI. Like the NSA doesn't care because they don't care about warrants anyway. They they just take things. And like generally, politicians don't really care because they're not like engaged in in law enforcement. So it's really just the FBI wants this. And for a while, it sort of looked like they were going to try to get it from, like they were going to try to pass a law that would, you know, if if me and my four friends in a basement made this encryption app that they couldn't get through to, you know, we would be in some legal trouble, right? And, pe- you know, proposals like this sort of bounce around. It's like a pretty tough sell, especially since, you know, the the people that you're going after with that are like literally the most valuable companies in America. <laughs> like it's Apple, Google, Microsoft, like all of them. And like, it's a pretty direct shot. So the politics of it are not great. But then you worry that what's actually going on is something else. Because like the FBI is still constantly going to Google and all of these companies and being like, show us this stuff. And there's like sort of this dance that's always happening where the FBI is like, you know, they, they don't want to give up any more than they're legally obligated to because they want to protect user privacy and everything. But they also don't know how much they can refuse to give up without getting in legal trouble. And like, in fact, generally, if you have a warrant, you can get a lot of stuff. Like Apple makes a big deal about how the data that's on your iPhone is encrypted and like they can't unlock an iPhone without the code like they they don't have the capacity to do it i mean they could do it they could send you a virus that unlocked it but they sort of don't want to do that and they make a big deal out of how they're not going to do that but in fact most of the data is probably not on your iphone like if you have icloud all of this is on their servers anyway and if you send them a warrant that you want to see what's on the servers they're just like well okay we have this data on the server so yeah you have a warrant you got it so so like a part of a lot of people think that the fbi is pushing for this because it's kind of like a feint so that they can have more leverage in those court cases or they're just pushing for legislation down the road or it's something even more complicated. Like it's it, Or they just don't care and they just want this and so they keep talking about it. But basically they, the, the reason that it's on the news shows is because the FBI, like every time there's a big speech, James Comey, the FBI director, is like, People are criminals are going dark because of this terrible encryption, like encryption is ruining society. And he also just he just talks about it as if it's like encryption is bad, which I think everyone it, it like it, it sounds a little weird to people who are who are understand that almost everything that happens on the Internet is encrypted. Yeah. Or that you shop online. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. This is literally what sort of enabled the last 20 years of. Of like economic growth on the internet like it literally there would be no internet business without encryption especially like mobile anything all the apps on your phone 
that's especially encrypted, right? When you're hailing an Uber, the reason that you can hail an Uber and the cab driver can see where you are and that you just, you know, hailed a cab and like the random mugger can't see that is because it's all encrypted. Everything you send to Twitter over your phone is encrypted. Like, and, and that's important because it's important that... <laughs> you just really freaked me out with the idea that somebody would come and pick me up with me thinking that they're Uber and they're not. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it would be a problem, right? Like, actually securing this data and making sure only the person that it's going to can see it is kind of important. When you send an update to Facebook, you want to make sure that you're sending it to your friends or to the specific person you're sending it to and not to absolutely anyone who wants to see it, right? Like, these are important features of the the kind of products and the things we do online, right? That they can enforce that, like, okay, you only want this person to see it. We're only going to show it to this person. That's, you need encryption to do that. If you don't have encryption, then none of that is possible. Does an alternative exist when we talk about this kind of, you know, backdoor that could please both sides? That's a, a compromise of some sort. I think it's one of these things where we're sort of already at that compromise. I, I mean, it's like any negotiation where people on both sides sort of sound grumpy because they want more than they're getting, but they're kind of already at a middle ground where, like, mo- for the most part, this problem is solved. It's just that people are kind of, you know, companies want to share less and law enforcement wants them to share more. So they both kind of keep testing the waters to see if they can improve their position. But like in general, most of this stuff is kept on company servers and most of it is accessible to warrants. And by the way, the amount of information that's accessible to a warrant request has skyrocketed in the last five, 10 years just because everyone's, you know, everything's on texting, everything's on, you know, email and stuff like that. Like there are one of the things we've seen is services like WhatsApp where WhatsApp is end-to-end encrypted, so it's one of the few places where it seems like maybe they can't get it with a warrant, although it's a little bit unclear. But, like, I occasionally just go through the warrants that are served to, like, the court orders to Gmail, and there is just a lot of stuff there that you would... A lot of conversations that you see that you would never, ever see, you know, before everything was on email. So now that we're all properly uh, paranoid, <laughs> final final question. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, are there any steps that like I or a, a listener, a normal citizen, yeah. should take to further encrypt their data? So the question is always the the security term they use for this is like threat model. Like, what are you really worried about? Like, if you're if you're worried like the NSA is interested in you, then like you're probably already cooked. (laughs) There's not really that much you can do. But like, I think the thing that people overlook a lot of the time is the, the thing I was talking about with Android phones where like you're using a service for a little while or you're using a computer or a phone and then you kind of get rid of it. But you were doing like you were using all of you were doing everything that you do on this device. And so it has traces of you know, yeah, like your bank account, your like, you know, all the sensitive stuff you do. And I think the thing that people, the fix for this is full disk encryption, right? That's what they call it. So it means that if you, uh, if someone finds your hard, the hard drive of your computer after you've 
sort of, you know, factory reset it. There's still data on it, but it's going to be all scrambled. And unless they have your password that you use to encrypt it, then they can't really do anything with it. Uh, and I think that's a very good idea. That's something that, you know, Apple computers have been doing since uh, OS Lion, although people have a little bit of, people have various complaints. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, it should be stronger. And and there are a lot of open source sort of disk encryption things you can get on the, on the Windows and Linux side. Um, but I think especially if you are getting rid of a computer, that's something people overlook a lot of the time. And you sort of think like, well... You know, I'm just throwing it out or recycling it or, or, or whatever. Like, no one's going to look at this. And th that is something that it's good to be careful about. And it's a great use case for encryption where, you know, it's like one extra step and it really makes it a lot harder for, you know, these random criminals to get at you. Well, thank you. I think, I think, I think that helped. I, 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 I hope, feel, yeah. I feel, I, no, I mean, it helped. I mean, I feel smarter. I feel terrified as always. Uh, after talking with you, which is why I like to have you here. Yeah, totally. We're all, you know, it's... Uh, all screwed. We're all just, yeah, we're all leaves in the wind, you know? It's just, we're just we're just floating along. Oh, thank you. Now I feel much better. Thank yeah, you for Yeah, exactly. Uh, I try to end on a nature <laughs> metaphor. Uh, thank you also to our producer, Andrew Marino. Thank you for listening. We are here uh, every week. You can find us on TheVerge.com, at What's Tech on Twitter, Russell, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, oh, yeah, Russell Brandon. At me. Uh, you can also find the show on all, all of your uh, favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, I've, I've been really enjoying uh, Overcast.fm. What, what do you use, Russell, for your podcasting needs? I use the iOS app, like the native one, but it's not very good. I, I, I need to get you on the good stuff. I'm, I'm going to It was great out. when I only listened to one podcast, when I only listened to What's Tech. Oh, but then sure. now that I have a bunch of them, it's like sort of the order is confused. And it's like I'm behind on this one, but I'm listening to this one as it as it like updates and is sort of jumbled and I can't really find anything. Uh, this is where I would normally ask you to leave a review uh, on iTunes, which, which you should do. You definitely should. Uh, but I, I, we're trying out this new thing where I also recommend you go listen to another podcast and maybe give them a review. Uh, I have I have two video game podcasts for you this week. Uh, something different. Uh, a show called Spawn on Me, which I think is one of the best uh, discussions of video games. Uh, and another one, Shall We Play a Game, uh, that has my pal Chris Solentrop. Uh, talking about video games. Go listen to the show, leave a review, mention that we sent there, spread the love. We'll see y'all later. Goodbye. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -ba.